So here we are. Uh, I think this is the seventh in our series on the missional life. And uh, today we're thinking about pace. In all the things that we've talked about, we've been thinking about, you know, how to, you know, creating friendships that have the opportunity to share the love of Jesus. We've talked about how to have conversations, how to use our homes. We've talked about social justice. We've talked about all sorts of things about mission and living a missional life, all of which should come out of who we are as Christians. We often see mission as an extra task to add on to our already busy days. But what we're trying to get across in this sermon series is that actually missional life is living each and every day, just doing your ordinary things of life, but doing them with a sense of this could be an opportunity to share the love of Jesus with someone. Whether that is going to work, going to shops, going to whatever you do for play, whatever it is, is an opportunity to share the love of Jesus with someone. And uh, I don't know about you, but we've, I've certainly seen Christians, they, they become Christians, they've received the love of God, they've been saved, they are passionate to see others get saved, and they go off doing a big load of things and then just burn out. And maybe you've seen others do the complete opposite, where they've just not done anything. <laughs> but we're called to live a life that the moment we come to Christ all the way through to the very end of our lives, is consistently, constantly living out the love of God in such a way that we are drawing people to Jesus. And let me tell you, there is no no greater privilege than leading someone to Jesus. When you've prayed for them and you've talked to them and you've encouraged them and you've invited them to things and you've taken them to stuff, and then they make that decision that, Jesus is going to be their Lord. There is no greater honour or privilege or joy than that. It's the most incredible feeling. And God calls us into that work to be the people who are just in the normal course of life are sharing our faith and seeing people get saved. That should be the normal Christian life. And even though we talk about it in terms of just living your normal life and doing it missionally, it can still sound heavy. It can still sound a little bit overwhelming. And today I want to talk about, well, how can we do this life consistently all the way through to the very end? Not just now, not just for a day or for a week or for a month or for a season, but all the way through to the very end of your life. Because as Rob hinted before, there is no retirement in the kingdom of God. I hate to say this to some of you, but when you retired from work, you didn't retire from the work of Jesus. Because the work of Jesus goes on for each and every one of us. And some of you know, and I certainly do know, people who have got to the very end of their life and even on their deathbed are talking to those around them about the love of God who are still even there leading people to Jesus as they breathe their last breath. And that is the call that God places upon each of us. Paul talks about, I mean, Rob's been stealing my thunder all morning. It's been terrible. (laughs) Uh, Paul talks about being poured out for the sake of the gospel. Right to the very end, the last drops, the last dregs of his life, were given to the gospel. 
And he talks about it in a number of different contexts. He uses that phrase a few times. I've been poured out to this end, he says in 1 Colossians. And this end being the proclamation of the gospel to those who don't know Jesus. And in Colossians 1, he also says this. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Strenuously contend. In other words, he's putting all his effort, all his time, all his kind of mental capacity into sharing the love of God in such a way that people come to faith. He's putting all of himself into this task. And that's not just for Paul. That is for each and every one of us. We sometimes read Paul and think, you know, well, that's just Paul. He was an apostle and all that kind of stuff. Well, unfortunately, none of us get a kind of free pass on this. Each of us is called to live a life that even right to the end is sharing the love of Jesus with those who don't know him. In Matthew 11, Jesus talks about, he says, you know, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And we look at that verse and think, well, isn't that great? No, we, we get rest. We can step back from all the busyness of life and the busyness of church and relax and chill. But you know what? That's not what Jesus is talking about. In fact, it's the very opposite of what Jesus is talking about. Because in the very next line, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you put a yoke on a cow, that cow is not going to the stable to rest. You put a yoke on a cow because it's going to work. And when you are yoked with Jesus, the moment you become a Christian, you are yoked with Jesus, you are sent to work for him. And it is easy because he's doing all the hard pulling. It's easy because he's showing you the way you should go. It is easy because he knows exactly what you should do at any particular point in time. This is what it means to be yoked to Jesus and to find rest. That even in the work that we do for him, it is not a burden. It is easy because he is doing the work. And in mission, our reliance should be so on Jesus that he is doing all the heavy lifting. And we're just partnering with him, going along for the ride and simply doing what he says we should do. Going to the people that we should go to. Saying the things that he wants us to say. We are called to be yoked to Jesus and working to the very end of our lives for him. There is no retirement in the kingdom of God. See, the problem is, for all of us, is that we don't understand that mission takes time. If you are sharing your faith with a friend, it is highly unlikely that you have one conversation about Jesus and they become a Christian. Highly unlikely. It takes time. It takes a number of conversations. It takes lots of prayer. It takes lots of heartache. It'll take a lot of effort in order to eventually see that person become a Christian. If you and your missional community decide to spend time with a group of people or in a place, 
It will take time before you start to see breakthrough in relationships where you can actually have conversations about Jesus. It can take years sometimes. And the problem I see, and certainly in my previous church with mission communities, is that they decide to do something with a group of people, and after a few months, because it's not working, they step back and go off and do something else. Sometimes you have to plant yourself in a place in order to see the fruit that you need to sing. It takes time for relationships to get to that point where actually you can share something of the of the meaningful things of life, where people trust you enough to talk about their their hopes and their dreams and their hurts and their pain. And it's in those conversations that you get to talk about the hope that we have in Christ. It takes time. It takes time to do mission. I think I've I've said before that there was a church uh, by my previous church where their pastor said, uh, we tried evangelism once, it didn't work, and we're never doing it again. They were the exact words. We tried it once, and it didn't work. Mission requires us to fail over and over and over again in order to see the breakthrough that is required to see some kind of fruit from our activity and our mission. We are in this for the long haul. We are in this, we are planting ourselves in this in order to see something happen. And it might not be today, tomorrow or next year or even in five years time. But if we are consistent and constant in our work, we will see the fruit. The problem is that when it comes to missional life, there are four kinds of Christians There's firstly the complacent Christians. They're the ones who think, well, you know, I agree with all this mission stuff, but it sounds a bit like hard work and I'm a bit afraid, so I'm just going to let the others do it. Others can get on with it. Or even about prayer. You know, I know I should pray, and I know I should pray for my friends and my neighbours and the town and all that kind of stuff, but, well, I'll just let others do it. I'll let the, the ones who are keen The ones who are spiritual, they can get on with that job. And sometimes people aren't complacent. They're just plain lazy. And I'm not looking at anyone here, okay? So please don't be offended. Well, some of you might need to be offended, but forgive me. Some people are just plain lazy. It's hard work doing mission. No one ever said it wouldn't be. It can be painful. It requires us to step out of our comfort zones into places where we might feel a bit awkward a bit out of our depth. But it's in those places that were out of our depth that we start to see God at work. If you are simply doing something in your own strength, then you will never see fruit. It has to be done in the power and strength of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible has a lot to say about lazy Christians. Proverbs has a lot to say about lazy believers in God. And none of it is good. So there's complacent Christians. The other end of the scale is busy Christians. And every church has a small group of people who are really, really, really busy. Who never say no to a task that needs to be done. 
And there's a phrase, isn't it? You know, if you want to get something done, ask a busy person, because you'll know it'll get done. Well, most of the time, until, of course, they get to that point where they're too busy and nothing gets done properly. I've been guilty of that at times. But you know what? The Bible never calls us to be complacent or lazy. And in the same way, the Bible never calls us to be busy people. I said last week, Eugene Peterson, who is an incredible pastor, described busyness as an illness of the soul. And it's an illness of the soul because people want to be busy because it meets a need within them. They find their value and their worth in the tasks that they do. And of course, our value and our worth is who we are in Christ. What Christ thinks of us. That's where our value comes from. That's where our worth comes from. Not in the tasks that we do. Not in the busyness of our life. The Bible never calls you, I'm standing on a flower, sorry, uh, never calls you to be busy. The third group of Christians is, I've called them productive Christians. These are the super organized people. They may well be busy, they may not be, but they get things done. And I know churches that are super efficient, highly organized. You know, the notices are out on time, communication's brilliant, services are slick, unlike here. <laughs> uh, you know, all that kind of stuff just happens really, really well. But you take that church out of its community and no one would know any difference. Because although they are efficient and organized and productive, they are having absolutely no impact on the lives of people around them. And that is one of the saddest things, that people become productive in simply making church happen, simply doing church. But the Bible never calls us to be productive. The Bible calls us to be a people who are fruitful, whose lives are making an impact in this world, who are seeing other people's lives change through our ministry whose own life is developing more and more and more to be like Jesus. We are called to be a people like that, who right through to the very end of our lives are seeing people's lives transformed and our own life becoming more and more like Jesus. We are called to be a people who are fruitful, who are living a life of impact, who are living lives that are truly making a difference in this world. Jesus used all sorts of phrases. He talked about you know, yeast in the bread or light in the darkness. We are called to be those kind of people. That is a fruitful Christian. And fruitful Christians may well be busy, but like Jesus, they'll always be unhurried. Jesus was busy. Jesus, I mean, you know, preaching to three or 5,000 people and then feeding them afterwards, that's quite a feat, isn't it? That required some, some activity. But he was never unhurried. Sorry, never hurried. <laughs> Even when his closest friend is dying, and his friend's sisters send to Jesus and say, come, Lazarus is dying, we need you here. He didn't respond to that demand upon his time. He simply waited. And of course, we all know the story, don't we? That 
eventually Jesus does go to see Lazarus. Lazarus is dead and Jesus raises him from the dead. See, what Jesus in that moment of time saw was that he could respond to the demand on his time and say, yes, I'll come, which is what most of us would do. Or he could see what the Father was doing and go with that. And what the Father wanted to do was glorify Jesus by raising Lazarus from the dead. And Jesus said, I only ever do what I see the Father doing. He didn't say yes to everything like the busy people do. And he didn't say no to everything like the lazy people do. He did what he saw the Father doing. And the key to living a sustained missional life is to be so connected to Jesus that you see what God is doing around you and you work with him in that. You are yoked with him in that. Because in the end, that's when he is doing all the work and you're just going along for the fun of it. Because Jesus loves to do his work with us and he loves to pass on the joy of his work with us. In our reading, it talks about uh, a vine and that we are the branches in that vine. And the more we are connected to the vine, the more we remain in him, that's where we receive our strength and our resources. That's the key to fruitfulness. The key to fruitfulness is a connection, a deep connection to Jesus where you are able to hear his voice and see what he's doing in the lives around you. Mission is not about what you want to do. It's about seeing what Jesus is already doing in the people and the community around us. There are two key things here to to living a fruitful life that we heard in our reading. The first thing is, well, first of all, this is a vine in our reading, and every vine lives out what every living organism does is it responds to the seasons that it's in. Right now, we're in spring. Of course, spring is a time for kind of planting and for for little things to start coming out the ground and for the first flowers to sprout. And then there is summer, which is a time to, to, for harvest and for fruitfulness and for the flowers to be in their absolute prime. And then there's autumn, a time where things start to die and things are starting to get cut back. And then there's winter, which is that fallow period. The whole of life is geared around seasons. We are meant to live with a rhythm and a season to our life. Even our whole week is geared towards that. It's just that we seem to have lost it. We are meant to have one day as Sabbath. One day we give to Jesus and say, this is your day. And we use that day to recover and to recuperate and to reconnect with him and to connect with those around us in just an enjoyable way, to draw our our strength again and enjoy life. That's Sabbath. And we seem to have lost Sabbath to some extent, haven't we? As life becomes more and more hurried and more and more frantic, we've lost that simply stopping 
See, God ordained that because he knows that we cannot sustain a frantic, hectic life. It is impossible for us to do. We burn out or we die. We are meant to live a life that is filled with rhythm and seasons. Even your own body has a rhythm and a season to it. There's the heartbeat of you, that's your rhythm that is consistent and ongoing. Even things like how you, you build fitness and muscle. I mean, you all know I go to the gym, you know, and I do a bit of reading around it to make sure I'm doing things properly. Uh, and when's the time that you build muscle? Most people think it's in the exercise, you know, the kind of, you know, you're doing your bicep curls and you're really straining and lifting a heavy weight and all that kind of stuff. That's not the time you build muscle. The time you build muscle is in the recovery. That's where muscle is built. When you're doing all the exercise, you're actually tearing apart your, the fibres of your muscle. And in the recovery, they're being rebuilt and strengthened and enlarged. That's how you build muscle. Jürgen Klopp, who is, he's the next, almost up to Jesus' level, isn't he, Jürgen Klopp? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he talks about, you know, he talks about this constantly, about the importance of recovery for his players. Because it's in the recovery that they rebuild their strength and are able to go again. It's in their recovery that they get stronger. And if we're to live a missional life, we need to understand that we need moments of intensity where we're pushing into mission and moments where we just drill back a little bit and allow ourselves to breathe and to recover. It's common sense, but it is also how God has ordained things. And we are able to keep going as we build a rhythm of seasons where there are times of intensity and times of recovery. And certainly in our mission communities, I would encourage you, yes, you need to press in hard into mission sometimes. You need to be constantly engaging with those around you. But you also need times where you, as a community, step back a little bit and say, let's just have a time with Jesus. Let's have time with each other. And it's in that constant intensity and rest, intensity and rest, that we're able to sustain the mission that God has called us to. It's in rhythms and seasons. The second thing that we hear in our reading is the importance of pruning. Every gardener knows the importance of pruning. I'm not a gardener, I've got no idea. But, and gardeners do. And pruning allows for growth. And there are two types of pruning that Jesus talks about in our reading. The first is simply getting rid of the dead wood. All those branches that no longer bear fruit, that aren't bearing leaves, you just get rid of them, you cut them down and you burn them. And there are things in all of our lives that are producing absolutely no fruit at all. There are things in your life right now that are neither helping you engage with non-Christians or helping you grow in your faith. There's lots of things. It could be how much time you spend on social media, how much time you watch the telly, how much time you spend in bed, how much time you eat, how much time you drink. It could be all sorts of things. And sometimes we have to look at those things with a cold eye and say, maybe I just need to cut this out. 
so that I can spend more time doing the things that I am meant to do. That's one type of pruning. The other type of pruning Jesus talks about, he says, even the branches that are fruitful are pruned to make them even more fruitful. And that's a bit of a harder thing, isn't it? Because I hope that there are things in your life that you know are either helping you connect with the people who don't know Jesus or helping you grow in your faith. I hope there are things like that. I know the things that we want to keep going on with. And we all know that in churches, you know, certainly with activities, once you start an activity, it, that, that keeps going until Jesus comes back. Against all odds, it keeps going, you know. Or if you get given a role, you take that role until Jesus returns or you die, whatever happens quickest. But that's not how we're meant to be. In all of our lives, the things that we're doing that are highly effective, and sometimes we need to cut them back a little bit in order that, so we can be even more fruitful. Let me give you an example. In my previous church, uh, we started something called Breakfast Cafe. And it was just on Saturday morning. Uh, it was there for the local community. And literally hundreds of the local community would come in for breakfast over two hours. Uh, they'd get a full English. It would be dead cheap. And families loved it. For some families, it was the only time they ate together as a family all week. They would come out and just have a bit of time. It was a great opportunity for us to have conversations with families, to invite them to things. It was, it was a great thing to do. And uh, the food was great, and I know, because I cooked it. It was top-notch breakfast, you know? After a number of years we were doing this, we felt God kind of stirring something. We weren't sure we were being as fruitful as we could be. We weren't sure that we were having as big an impact on people's lives as we thought we could. And we tried a few things and it just still left us being like, this is not being as fruitful as it could be. And so we decided, right, we're going to stop it. We had no idea what was next. We had no idea what we would do. We just said, right, we're going to finish it. And literally, honestly, local people complained. They were writing to us, please stop Breakfast Cafe, we miss it, all that kind of stuff. I could walk down the street and I'd be stopped by people saying, when's Breakfast Cafe starting again? But we knew it was a thing that God wanted us to do. Within a year, we started Food Bank. That Food Bank now feeds 10, I think it's actually 12,000 people a year. That is having an incredible impact on people. Far more fruit than the breakfast cafe ever did. But we could never have started food bank if we were still doing the breakfast cafe. It was just too, too many people were involved. We just couldn't do it. It was just too heavy on our resources. By allowing the space between breakfast cafe and food bank, people were able to recover, rethink, start again. Sometimes you have to cut back what is fruitful in your life in order to be even more fruitful. How do we know when to do that? We remain connected to Jesus and we listen to his voice. There is no other way other than that. There's no formula I can give you where it says, you know, if this and this happens, then you need to do that. It's not like that. It is simply listening to the voice of God speaking to you saying, you need to cut this out now so that you can go on and do something even more effective and fruitful in the future. 
It is all about remaining in Jesus. It's all about staying connected to him. It's all about listening to his voice and being brave enough to follow through on what he says you should do. And that might mean all sorts of things for some of you. And I'm not even going to try and guess at that because there are so many things that could be said. And as you think about your life and as you think about the need to maybe cut some things out or to work with some kind of seasons in your life, it might be that right now you need to start saying no to some things so that you can say yes to something else in the future. That right now you need to maybe think, I need to stop this because I think God is calling me to that. It might be that for some of you, you just need to say yes to something because too few people are doing too much in this church. What is God saying to you now about the mission that he has called you to do?